This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Ben Dominich. I'm Ainsley Earhart. I'm Trey Gowdy, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, September 28th, 2022. I'm Lisa Brady. What could be a historic storm sets off a nearly statewide scramble. Floridians are accustomed to knowing the sort of uh, part of the year where hurricanes are prevalent. And, and, and we have our sort of checklist of things that we, that we normally say and do, and that doesn't vary very much. We speak with Miami Mayor Francis Suarez. I'm Dave Anthony. There has been a record surge this year of migrants coming to the U.S. illegally. And those numbers don't even count the ones across the border but weren't caught. They're the ones that break into the ranches. They're the ones that are stealing the cars. They're the ones that are causing a lot of criminal activity in the most remote parts of the Del Rio sector. And I'm Carol Markowitz. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. They're used to hurricanes in Florida, but not every storm is as big and strong as Hurricane Ian. The impacts are going to be far, far broader uh, than just where the eye of the storm happens to make landfall. Governor Ron DeSantis says some areas will have catastrophic flooding. You know, they talk about hiding from wind, but running from water. And so when you have massive storm surge that could hit make 10, 12 feet, uh, that is something that is life threatening. By Tuesday evening, more than two million people had been to evacuate, and a hurricane warning was extended from the Gulf Coast into Orlando. The forecast especially concerning for the Tampa Bay area, which hasn't been hit by a major hurricane in more than a century. The Tampa and Orlando airports shutting down, along with theme parks, including Disney. Some of the schools closed by the storm being used as shelters. Your safety is more important than anything. And I know our hearts are with everyone who will feel the effects of this storm and we'll be with you every step of the way. We're not going away. President Biden urging people to heed local orders. And it appeared many were with shelters and hotels filling up and long lines for supplies like sandbags. Feels tiresome, tiresome, but hey, you got to do what you got to do. NASA even rolling its new moon rocket from the launch pad back into the hangar at Kennedy Space Center, which will further delay the first test flight. Well, we prepare uh, for all her Hurricanes uh, the same way, right? We take it seriously. We assume the worst. Miami Mayor Francis Suarez. And we prepare for the worst. Uh, we unfortunately have a lot of experience uh, dealing with hurricanes, um, but we are assuming that the impacts and the effects of that will be uh, worse than what we expect. And uh, we're hopeful that that doesn't turn out to be the case. Are you satisfied with the state's response, what they have been doing um, to help the entire state prepare? Yeah, I think the state, uh, again, just like the city, we have a lot of experience uh, with these events. And so there's a lot of cross-coordination going on. Our urban search and rescue team has already been activated. We also have a strike team from Miami um, that will be ready to help uh, Tampa, the Tampa Bay area. Um, and I have been, been in contact with the mayor of, uh, of Tampa as well. And uh, so there's been a lot of coordination uh, with the state and throughout the state. There hasn't been as much time to prepare for this one as with some storms. You know, how much more difficult is it 
to be ready. Obviously, you can have those teams in place, but in terms of, you know, opening shelters and and that sort of things and and giving residents time to get their own properties ready, they're just, you know, the lead time isn't as long for this one. I can tell you that on Friday, people were surprised. They were shocked to know that there was a storm brewing. Um, You know, normally we would have lead time. But like I said, you know, uh, Floridians are accustomed to um, knowing the sort of uh, part of the year where hurricanes are prevalent. And, and, and we have our sort of checklist of things that we, that we normally say and do, and that doesn't vary very much. What's the main concern for Miami this time, especially being a coastal city? The, the big concern for us is always uh, um, flooding. Um, we've become significantly more wind resilient since Hurricane Andrew in 1992. And when we had sustained winds over 200 miles an hour, we changed our entire building codes. So pretty much every building has either storm shutters or uh, storm windows, impact windows. So the, the big issue and the big concern always is flooding and storm surge in that area, which as we saw during Irma, which had a, a you know four to six foot storm surge, uh, can can really damage things and and. Uh, incapacitate uh, important areas of the city. I know you've said that climate change is affecting your city already, and that's something the Republican Party is often accused of denying or at least downplaying. What does Miami need to do or what are you already doing to deal with the impacts of climate change? I can tell you that uh, a Republican governor and a Republican legislature, both Senate and House, have been unified with a Republican mayor uh, in uh, spending money prophylactically uh, on the front end to um, support our resiliency efforts. We have a program called Miami Forever, which is basically spending money to make sure that Miami uh, on the infrastructure side is here forever. And when you look at the infrastructure bill, when you look at, you know, which which was also supported by uh, Republicans, even the former president uh, wanted actually a, a larger infrastructure bill that was ultimately passed. Um, you know, there's a, a tremendous amount of emphasis by both state, federal and local governments to spend money preemptively because we know that a dollar spent uh, preempting uh, damage saves about seven to eight dollars on the back end and post damage. So it's 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 the most efficient way to spend money. We've we've uh, our, our voters approved the tax, which we don't like to tax ourselves, uh, but our, our voters approved the tax that uh, spends two hundred million dollars on residency. The state has given us an additional fifty. And of course, we'll, we'll try to get some from the federal government as well. Is this an area where nationally you wish maybe that the Republican Party was more proactive about it, more upfront about it, acknowledging, you know, the risks of climate change? Yeah, I think we need to change the conversation a bit. I think with a lot of these things that become very partisan, unfortunately, uh, the conversation isn't a healthy one. And I think one of the things we say in Miami is our environment is our economy. It's not one or the other. And when you look at the Everglades, which is a, you know, produces billions of dollars of revenue for our region and also all of our drinking water. When you look at our core reef system and ecotourism, I think we're eighth in the nation in green jobs. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's part of our economy. Um, so I think if, if you look at it as an economic engine, as an economic driver of high paying jobs, then it takes on a different context. And then when you also think about it as flooding, when you see events like hurricanes, uh, where, you, where flooding and storm surge is 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 undeniable, right, then, it, it, you know, you don't have to get into so much the causality um, as you do making sure that we're resilient as a country uh, to whatever Mother Nature can throw our way. Are you concerned that the southern coast or Florida in general, you know, could be hit more often Um, more frequently with these kinds of intense storms? Or do you hear that concern coming from residents? Yeah, I think for us, it's not so much about the amount or intensity of events. 
It's really more about our ability to deal with them, right? Uh, after Hurricane Andrew, basically upgrading our codes, having uh, storm shutters and, and impact windows essentially made us sort of impenetrable with respect to wind. We need to get to that same level with respect to water. And if we do, then a hurricane will be nothing more than a, you know, a, an unfortunate event where you have to cancel school and cancel certain things, but it doesn't create the, the level of devastation that it's created up until now. Tough times, of course, for many Americans in general with inflation running so high. Um, how, how is the city doing in general? Well, we're doing phenomenally well. Um, and we're doing it because we're following a model that works. And that's we keep taxes low. We just reduced our tax rate to the lowest in our history. And that has spurred growth. We had 12 percent growth. That's the second most uh, since we've been keeping that statistic, uh, we've leaned into innovation, creating high paying jobs. We're number one in the nation in wage growth. And we're keeping people safe with the resources that we have. Uh, we have more police officers than we've ever had in our history. And our homicide rate per capita is on the precipice. And I knock on wood when I say that of being the lowest that it's been in our history. So we're making the right strategic investments. We're taking less money out of people's pockets and we're just attracting uh, everyone because we're the most attractive city in the you know, arguably in the world. I know right now you're also president of the U.S. Conference of Mayors. Are more cities trying some of your policies now or do they ask you about them? There's definitely a buzz about them. And I always say about our model, it's easy to articulate, sometimes hard to uh, follow. It requires sometimes standing up to, you know, sort of the liberal uh, narrative and the liberal media narrative that government is a solver of all problems. And we know that that level of government intervention, which many people call socialism or communism, has only created equal misery for people. And so, it, 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 you know, government has a limited competency, should be limited in size, and the rest should be left to people to be able to spend and save and, and you know, invest as they see fit. I know your father was the first... Cuban-born mayor of Miami. Now you're the first Miami-born mayor of the city. He ran as a Democrat, though, right? Why the Republican Party for you? Well, actually, I think he was an independent, but he was he's at one point been a Republican, an independent, and a Democrat, which I think it highlights his sort of independent thinking. You know, I've been a Republican since I was 18 years old, since I was registered to vote, and I just believe in, in the values of the Republican Party and having limited government uh, you know, and focusing on, uh, you know, this country, which is the greatest country on the planet. Uh, and so that to me is how I've built our city, right? Creating more prosperity and leaning into the fact that, you know, our democratic experiment it is what has created the most liberty and freedom for the most number of people in the history of humanity. There certainly has been a buzz about your potential future aspirations. Um, you haven't ruled out a run for president one day even, talked about a new generation of leaders. Are you concerned at all about the Republican Party heading into the midterms? You know, I, I think if we focus on a platform uh, that's similar to what Miami has done, if we focus on reducing taxes and balancing our budget, if we focus on increasing a funding for police instead of this nonsense of defunding police, and we focus on making our country the most competitive for a generation uh, by understanding the threats of China in their investments on artificial intelligence and quantum computing uh, and our supply chain issues, then I think that is a recipe for success for the Republican Party. Uh, we should focus on the things that we know are going to create prosperity for people. And I think that's a compelling message. The former president 
appears to still hold a lot of sway in the party, regardless of legal troubles or the January 6th committee getting ready to wrap up its investigation. Is there too much focus on Trump or no Trump? And, you know, if the answer is moving on, how does that happen without destroying the party in the process? I think that's up to the American people. And I think that's up to the you know Republicans in terms of a primary, right? The questions they have to ask themselves are, do we want, you know, another baby boomer uh, or do we want a next generation candidate? You know, do we want uh, someone who has, uh, you know, who's tapping into anger, which is a perfectly understandable emotion at this point? Or do we want someone that's going to create a positive and inspiring vision for the future of this country? You know, do we want someone that can communicate with and connect with the largest minority demographic that happens to be trending Republican, which are Hispanics? You know, and do we want someone that, uh, you know, understands how to create high paying jobs and has done it before uh, because they understand how disruptive the world is and how things are changing and we have to create the kind of opportunities that are going to create prosperity for a generation. That's the question that this country has to ask itself and the party has to ask itself. And I think the answer to that question is going to determine whether or not the former president is the nominee of the party. What does it take for you, Mayor Francis Suarez, to take the plunge and seek a higher office? What would be the tipping point for you? You know, I think the tipping point for me would be, you know, first of all, obviously, you know, getting to a place where there is a significant amount of excitement over a candidate that could, you know, answer those four questions in a way that creates uh, excitement for this country. And I think, you know, we're at a place with so much division, uh, so much uh, destructive politics that, you know, the question that is whether or not the country is going to be ready for a next generation positive aspirational leader, right? That's really what I'm, what I'm looking at, what I'm focused on. And if that, the answer to that question is yes, then, you know, obviously I have to seriously consider it because I just don't see anyone else providing that kind of leadership and that message. Miami Mayor Francis Suarez, thank you very, very much for your time. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is Carol Markowitz with your Fox News commentary coming up. Congress is on deadline to approve new funding by the end of this week or the government could shut down. Republicans say they'll vote no without money for border security. Amid a record surge of migrants coming here illegally, Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne from Texas tells Fox. Yeah, I think it's it's obvious our current system cannot handle the influx, and I have not seen a plan at all from this president. And what we've seen over the last year and a half is a complete denial that there's a problem. Now, President Biden says a lot of the migrants are now coming from Cuba, Nicaragua, and Venezuela. And the ability to send them back to those states is not rational. You could send them back and have them wait. We're working with Mexico and other countries to see if we can stop the flow. But that's the difference. Republican Texas Governor Greg Abbott blames Biden policies and has controversially bused thousands of migrants to Chicago, New York and Washington, D.C. We have small communities of about 25,000 people uh, who have thousands of illegal immigrants dumped into their community. And so they were begging for relief. And that's exactly why we began this busing operation. So far this fiscal year, 
More than two million migrants have been stopped at the border. And if you add the previous year, that totals about three million people that have entered through illegal ports of entry, which is basically just crossing the river or the land crossings. Bruno Lozano is the former mayor of Del Rio, Texas, and a Democrat. That's larger than many metropolitan areas in the United States. And I think that should really send the alarms to the administration that this is a crisis. And it still baffles me that um, Vice President Harris still still does not call this a crisis for what it is. All right. You bring her up because when President Biden took office and we started seeing a surge in the first few months, he put her as like the borders are. And she was supposed to get to the root causes of why people are coming here. But she hasn't been to Del Rio. Did you ever have a conversation with anyone in the Biden administration, Homeland Security, anybody about the situation you've been facing in your community? The one time that I did speak directly to the administration is Secretary uh, Mayorkas, which is Department of Homeland Security. I had been trying to reach the administration prior to that. I'm not sure if you recall, but back in February of 2021, we had a winter storm that hit Texas. And during that week's time, Border Patrol was trying to release, I believe at the time, six migrants into Del Rio's vicinity. And let me remind you that we did not, we had no power, we had no electricity, no food, um, we didn't have running water. And I'm somehow supposed to manage the release of six migrants. And it's laughable now, looking back, because it's just six people, but that's just how disconnected the administration was with an ongoing crisis, an environmental crisis in Del Rio. And that's when it began doing YouTube videos to try to get them to come down and visit the city. And that went without any, it didn't move very far. But I did speak to Secretary Americas only after the fact that there was the border crisis of the Haitians going underneath the bridge or being placed underneath the bridge uh, back in September of 2021, so a year ago. That was a huge story last year. Thousands and thousands of Haitians in your community under a bridge at the border. And ultimately, they finally were cleared out, but most of them just were allowed into the United States, correct? They were just waiting to get detained by the Border Patrol. And after the Border Patrol takes them into custody, into detention, that's when they get split into different sectors along the border or different processing centers. And yes, once they're given their documents, they're able to continue their journey to wherever their destination was. The Haitian population, the majority of them were headed to Brooklyn, which is in the city of New York. You're on the border. You deal with a lot of people crossing that you say don't want to be there, but ultimately you have to house them. How, how does it work? They're, they're detained by Border Patrol and then just dropped off in Del Rio. And, and what right. happens to them at that point when right. that happens? You know, the bigger cities have infrastructure available and they have larger nonprofit organizations that can kind of jump in and mitigate this process. Del Rio and Eagle Pass are smaller border communities and we don't have those kind of resources available. The fact of the matter is, is that we're still seeing 1,500 migrants a day cross the Del Rio sector. 1,500 migrants are entering through illegal points of entry, and the Border Patrol is continuously backed up in their own Border Patrol centers. So once they drop them off into the city of Del Rio, it's kind of um, under 
there's no written rule, but they'll drop off about 300 to 500 different people in one day. And our nonprofit will, will do their very best to get them access to a computer or a cell phone or what have you so they can contact their sponsor, purchase their tickets, and then just continue their journey. But oftentimes what happens is that if they don't get a ticket, they'll stay at a local convenience store waiting for their bus. Every single day, it just gets larger and larger and larger with the backlog of people that are just trying to get through our communities. How big is Del Rio? You're talking about, you know, 1,500 migrants a day in a city of, mm-hmm. of how many people? 36,000 people. The county is 50,000 people. So we're not super large. <laughs> we're not a big city. That's a, so you have a lot to process there. And that's just those who are apprehended. There's also the gotaways. And there's a lot of those, too, who, who aren't stopped. So when I got some information, some stats, the Del Rio sector has already exceeded 450,000 persons detained this fiscal year. And that, I believe, set the record to where we're the largest sector now receiving these migrants, right? The Godaways is 160,000 people is what my understanding was. And that's a lot of people that go undetected, they get away. And those are the people that are very concerning because, you know, they don't know who they are. They could be terrorist organizations. They could be, you know, people transporting drugs and and different paraphernalia into the country. They're the ones that break into the ranches. They're the ones that are stealing the cars. They're the ones that are causing a lot of criminal activity in the most remote parts of, of the Del Rio sector. Back to Governor Abbott, busing all those migrants north. It's the worst type of politics. It's hateful politics. New York City Mayor Eric Adams, a Democrat, says Abbott's using him as political pawns. By taking away the respect and dignity of people who are in need. What the Texas governor is doing is just so anti-American. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis also called inhumane and immoral for sending two flights of migrants to Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. Oh, by the way, they already bust them out. They're gone. They said they said we want everyone. No one's illegal. And they're gone within 48 hours. And the Republican says more journalists rushed to Martha's Vineyard than have ever gone down to the southern border to look what's going on. Why don't you go down there and look what some of those communities have to deal with every day? So what does former Mayor Lozano and Del Rio think of those buses and flights? If anybody's being lured into or being kind of suckered into taking these, these this transport system, I'm not supporting that at all. But at the same token, I do look at it like it's a safe way to get to their destination. You know, a lot of the migrants are actually going to these communities where they're being sent to by the governors. You know, a couple of years ago when I was in the height of my mayorship, I had conversations where we would talk about immigration policy is is breaking it's falling apart and two years later it's not breaking it's not falling apart it is broken it has fallen apart you know i had in my experience during the crisis last year i had more if not 99 percent of the visitors were republican elected officials you know from different districts different congressional districts in the state i had out-of-state congressional visitors and I would also invite the Democratic elected officials to come into the to the border, and none of them came. You know, I did have a delegation from the borough of Brooklyn where a lot of the Haitians were going. I had a council member come down with her delegation. But it seems like a lot of them were misinformed and just trying to point fingers to say, this is the mayor's fault, or this is the city's fault, this is the crisis, when that's just the tip of the iceberg. If you could fix it. So if, that- if somebody said, all right, Mayor Lozano, your job now is to find a solution. What would it be? 
I would begin the immigration process, the asylum seeking process in home country. I think that would help alleviate a lot of the unlawful crossings to begin with and begin kind of a queue, you know, and then expand the facilities at the border, the legal ports of entry, all of our land ports, all of our seaports and all of our airports can facilitate the inbound flux of persons seeking asylum. And then that way, there's no waiting period. That way, they don't have to come back to a court date. They don't have to come back and and try to figure out their case. It's already kind of a predetermined situation through the online process. I think that would be a great start. I grew up in Dario and, you know, we had illegal crossers and a lot of them were just Mexican men at the time. This was back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And then as the years changed, now it's family units and their families from Venezuela, from Haiti, from from all over the world. These individuals and these families are permanently moving to the United States and they're crossing in unprecedented numbers illegally. Yeah. And they're allowed and they're allowed to go into the interior of the country is that the problem? They know they're going to just be let in. I'm a firm believer. I'm a, I'm a veteran of the United States military, and I protect the Constitution, and I think that we have law and order for a reason. And to just let anybody in without having vetted, having processed, is, is lack of due diligence on Department of Homeland Security's part. We need to make sure that we're not allowing rapists or or terrorists or people that are trying to do harm with the context that they're just trying to seek asylum either. Yeah. Um, well, I you know, report- former President Trump, I mean, Donald Trump took a beating for using those terms for people coming across when he started running for president. <laughs> he did. He took a yes, beating for that. I know. I know he did. And I and I know that, you know, even myself, I get, you know, it's it's. I, I say I still say the word illegal. It's it's a legal term to say the word illegal. There's nothing inherently wrong with saying they people have entered this country illegally. I thought last year was was unprecedented. Now we have a second year in a row unprecedented. If nothing changes, in your opinion, will this just go on and unending? It's going to continue to get worse as more economies and countries across the globe continue to collapse for whatever reason, whether it's social whether it's, you know, a coup or environmental, people are fleeing their home countries and trying to find better opportunities. And we all agree, everybody should be wanting a better life, but do not enter illegally. It's it's how hard is that to complete to comprehend, you know, and 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 I think what hasn't been mentioned is the fact of the matter that the cartels in Mexico are making millions, if not billions of dollars for each person that crosses. And that's another fact that continues to get ignored. You know, you're 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 inherently allowing illegal groups in Mexico to continue to thrive through this broken, failing system. Bruno Lozano former mayor of Del Rio, Texas, a Democrat. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. And in other news. I'm Gianna Gelosi. His catchphrase is, you can't see me, but we're all seeing this good deed. WWE superstar John Cena has set a new Guinness World Record, and it doesn't have anything to do with his moves in the ring or his championship belts. He's granted the most wishes through the Make-A-Wish Foundation after granting 650 wishes. That number was verified by Guinness on July 19th. 
Cena granted his first wish through the foundation in 2002, three years after his professional wrestling debut. Ten years later, he granted Make-A-Wish's 1,000th wish. The Make-A-Wish Foundation helps fulfill the wishes of kids who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening illness. Children between two and a half years old and 18 years old can choose to meet a celebrity, go to an event, or give a gift to somebody else. Those that choose John Cena can take pictures, hang out, see the championship belts up close, and sometimes even get in the ring with the wrestling legend. Make-A-Wish said the 16-time WWE World Champion is the most requested celebrity and that no one except for Cena has ever granted more than 200 wishes in the foundation's history. The 45-year-old has also spearheaded the WWE's Be A Star anti-bullying initiative. For the Fox News Rundown, I'm Gianna Gelosi. Precise, personal, powerful. It's America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Harold Markowitz. What's on your mind? Taylor Ellingson was killed last week in North Dakota after another man, Shannon Brandt, 41, hit him with his SUV. Ellingson was 18 years old. Brandt was convinced the teenager was affiliated with a Republican extremist group. No evidence exists for this claim. Footage of Brandt's bail hearing shows him seeming confused that he may suffer for his actions. It comes right from the top. The president of the United States, supported by a fangirl media, spouts irresponsible rhetoric that led to Ellingson's death. Earlier this month, President Joe Biden gave a fiery speech about the threats our country faces from voters who dare to disagree with him. Red background, clenched fists, the president shouted into the microphone that America's at an inflection point because MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic, he said. The message Biden sent to unstable people like Brandt is that it's reasonable to get rid of those who threaten our nation. How can anyone not defend his country? Over the weekend, Hillary Clinton added fuel to this fire by likening Trump supporters to Nazis. I remember as a young student, you know, trying to figure out how people get basically drawn in by Hitler. How did that happen? I'd watch newsreels and I'd see this guy standing there ranting and raving and people shouting and raising their arms. I thought, what happened to these people? Clinton said at the Texas Tribune Festival in Austin. You saw the rally in Ohio the other night. Trump is there ranting and raving for more than an hour and you have these rows of young men with their arms raised. I thought, what is going on? She said. We all know if Trump had declared some Democratic voters an existential threat to the country and a death resulted, it would get wall-to-wall media coverage. But Ellingson's killing has barely been a blip. And few in the media are pointing out that a former major presidential candidate comparing people with their arms up to some of history's greatest monsters is using inflamed language that could lead to more violence of the type we saw in North Dakota. Republicans hear Democrats' message and the complacent media silence and sense they don't matter to these elites. The violence Democrats condone with a wink never gets blamed on them. Their media friends love the idea of treating the wrong voting right this way. Our country is damaged when half the population is treated as a fringe group, pushed out of public life and faced with violence for their opinions. 
It's way past the time for the media to tell Biden, Clinton, and the rest that their language is simply unacceptable. It's destroying our country far more than some shadowy right-wing group ever could. They don't even have to pretend to care about Republicans to send that message. They just have to know that it won't end with only the left running over their political foes. This is Carol Markowitz, columnist at the New York Post and Fox News. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.